All right. Um, we are doing something a little bit different today. We, instead of filming, because we had so few people uh, watching the videos, um, we decided we would try to turn it into a podcast. And then that way um, people could listen to it in their car or, or any, anywhere else so while they're doing their housework or laundry or whatever. You could listen to it or at, at work if you work from home like my, my wonderful wife does now. Um, you could listen. You could listen to it sometimes when she's not training people. But um, you know, it's funny. I was I was over at uh, Kuhn's house uh, for his birthday party, and um, uh, on what was it? Friday, right. I guess Friday. And um, so I was there, and he he sh- he films himself doing like everything. You know, he's he's a younger generation than than me. And I'm so I'm trying to understand this a little bit, but he films himself just driving or, you know, or eating food, you know, just whatever. And, and I thought, I thought, what? like, I'm still like, like, I feel like really old now because I don't really understand this all. But he was showing us videos that he's filmed on YouTube. And one of the videos, he was up here singing and, and Don and Annette were up here singing. And it shows how many people have watched these videos. There was 17,000 viewers on that one video. And I was like, man, I bet Pastor Don and Pastor Annette want some royalties from this, right? Like, um, because I think in, in Vietnam, you guys are celebrities now. Like, I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure like, if all the viewers were coming from Vietnam, but, but a lot of them. And, and I was like, whoa. And then there's like somebody was filming right there and I'm, I'm sitting or standing right here and you see the back of my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I look like from back there. That's horrible, right? I'm going to start sitting in the back from now on <laughs> so people don't have to look at the back of my head or maybe I'll get a toupee or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, anyways, I want to talk this morning with you about uh, – about the gentle whisper of God. And um, if you have a Bible, you can turn it to 1 Kings chapter 19 and in verse 9. And um, what I want to say to you today, I think oftentimes we are looking for the booming voice from heaven. You know, we're like, God, send me a message. God, reveal yourself to me in some in one way or another. And we're looking for this like like Damascus Road experience where Saul is knocked from his horse and he's blinded and he hears the voice of God of Jesus from heaven it loudly, you know, telling him what he's doing wrong and stuff like that. And I think I think we we often think you know what, if God's going to speak to me, that's how he's going to do it. And it'll be this like James Earl Jones type voice, this huge voice from heaven. And, and I want to say this. I think that most often when God speaks, it's like a gentle whisper. It's a gentle whisper. It's a soft voice. And it seems to me, in my understanding, that God is speaking often. And... I don't hear him as enough. I don't hear him enough. I don't stop enough to, to hear his voice, to see. And it, I think there's, there's a real biblical New Testament um, thinking that's behind this. Jesus says, hey, you know my sheep. You're my sheep. If you're my sheep, you'll hear my voice, right? So do we hear his voice, for one? Do we hear his voice? And I think that in, in, in the anxiety and the bustle and the hustle of life, and I think, I think we all carry such great heavy burdens. We do. So busy, you know, we're so busy. And sometimes we miss that still small whisper of God, the still small voice of God that's trying to speak to us. We can come to church and miss God's voice. We can, we can be in prayer and at times miss God's voice. But... Um, Sometimes this, the still, small voice of God, when we can hear it, it's more powerful than you hearing my sermon. It's more powerful than you going to some big conference and 
feeling God and move in a, in a powerful way. That when you, when you personally hear God's voice speaking to you, it's, it's so powerful. It's so, and it can be just this still, small voice. You know, there's millions of voices out there in our world today. There are so many, so many voices, right? Telling us that we need to buy this. You know, I, 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 I get ads and flyers in the, in the newspaper and in the mail. And uh, the flyer says, save now, right? It's, it's interesting. They'll, they'll create a big sign and it will say, save now. But you're... You're not really saving, you're spending, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's how it is. And they say, well, it's 20% off their inflated price, right? But so the world kind of has this idea and they, they tell you, you know, just do this thing or buy this product and it will meet some need in your life. And, and, and often it doesn't. Um, they, the voices out there in our world, they tell us we need this. We're missing out on something. I'm not just talking. I'm not talking about like, you know, necessarily voices you hear in your head, right? Like you're crazy or anything. But the voices in the world that say you need to do this or you need that or you need you need this thing to fulfill you. And, and in marketing, they've they they know they brought psychology and marketing together and they know how to how to to work things to where it makes you feel like if you get this, it will it will meet some perceived need that you have and um, sometimes we in ourselves we hear that we are worthless right sometimes we feel that we should fear and run sometimes um, you know the voice the voice could be anything right with it with the internet and with social media today there are a multitude of opinions. You know, social media is is good in some ways and it's horrible in others. And I want to tell you how it's horrible is because like everybody has an opinion and everybody feels qualified to share that opinion everywhere and at all times of the day and night. And so when you go through, I mean, I'm old school, so I look at Facebook. I, I Somebody says you need to have Instagram or Snapchat and I said – I tried Instagram. I don't really understand this or Snapchat. You know, it's like my uncle is sending me Snapchats from Montana and, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Right. I don't know how to handle this, but, but, um, but everybody, like everybody's got this multitude of opinions. Everybody has a voice. And, and I think we, we allow so many of these different voices to speak into our lives. We allow, we listen to so many different voices. But we need that, we need, we seriously need that one voice of God that means everything. The voice of our creator. When he speaks, it's more powerful than any other voice. And it means more to us than any other voice. And, and we have to, but the problem is we don't value his voice as much as we value other voices. We need to give place to that voice, to the voice of God. We need to spend time listening and in, in the quiet places saying, you know what, God, what would you speak to me? As I'm focused on you, Lord, what are you speaking to me? Many of you are in the one-year Bible. I want to encourage you, uh, as, as you're in, in the Bible, uh, make it a prayer. Because you're going to run across things in your Bible that are challenging to you. And, and deal with the areas maybe you struggle with, maybe not. And, and I want, when you read those areas, I want to, I want to encourage you to say, you know what, in your, in your daily Bible reading, I want to encourage you to say, God, help me with this. I'm not there yet. Or I don't understand this, God. Help me understand this. Or help me love. Or help me, help me do this. Or help me do that. And, and I think, I, and also when we, when we read the Bible, we, we, I think we can pray, God, Speak to me through your word. This is your word, so speak to me through it. And, and I believe that he's faithful and the Holy Spirit's faithful to confirm his word to us. To speak fresh to us. We need his voice because when we, when we give place to his voice in our lives, it gives us the right perspective on, on things and on life. 
You know, Martha, if we think about Martha and Mary, the story, I, I probably share about it every week. But Martha is so great at running and doing things and serving God. And Mary is great at hearing God's voice. She's great at stopping and listening and listening to what Jesus has to say. And, um, and staying at his feet. And, and Jesus said to Martha, he said, you know what? Mary has chosen the better thing. Not that you shouldn't serve. Not that you shouldn't help. We need you to serve. We need you to help. But, it's, but you need to spend more time at Jesus' feet than you spend serving. Because that's what is what will fill you. That will fill you. That will meet the needs that you have in your life. Now, I want to talk to you about Elijah, and we're going to get into the word here. But Elijah was listening to some voices. He heard the voice of Jezebel, which was a threat against his life. Which led him down a horrible, depressing spiral. Like an air, an airplane in a free fall, right? Like that's, I, I don't know if you've ever had somebody maybe see, speak something critical to you. And... Maybe somebody said something critical to you and, and you, it, it, just, it just put you in a spiral, like a downward spiral. You know, if that was me that ever said that to you, I apologize. That was never my intent to make you go into a downward, downward spiral. My intent, I think, is to, to bless you, to encourage you, to lift you up and build you up. And, and, and I don't want that ever to be the place in my life. But Jezebel spoke to Elijah and it sent him just straight down, like where he forgot who he was. Elijah lost all hope. And he began to run for his life and he leaves his servant behind and he goes and he hides himself in a cave. It's at these points, I think, like we can be like Elijah in many ways. We're overwhelmed and it's at this place that we really need to hear God's voice. Yeah. More than anything, we need God's voice. More than anything. And I think we are at a, a time in, in the, the life of the earth, the end times of the earth, right? That, and, the, you know, they believe that the end times were, um, you know, after Pentecost, that was like really kind of the end times. And, and, and now it's like we're like the end of the end times, right? And we could see kind of the writing on the wall in many ways. And I don't, I'm not saying Jesus is going to come back tomorrow, but, but we need to be ready. And we need yes. to be those that hear his voice because we're his sheep, right? And, and so the voices we hear can either really encourage us and draw us after God's purposes and plans or they can really discourage us and crush us. And, and if, we're, if we're listening to the voice of the world or the voice of the enemy, oftentimes those things will crush us and they will, they will choke out the, the spiritual life that's within us that has been given to us by God. So anyways, if you, if you have a Bible, we're in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. And I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, I just believe that your presence is here and, and I pray, Lord, that your, your presence would lead us and guide us through this. Lead and guide me, Lord. Otherwise, the words I speak are just my own and they're not yours. So, Lord, I just ask that you would speak through me to encourage and build up and, and bring us into a right place, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And there he went into a cave. This is Elijah. And he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake, 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in a mantle and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I alone am left and they seek to take my life as well. So if, you're, if you've been listening intently, you will notice that God says twice, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says twice the same answer. I've been really zealous for you, God. I've been doing this and the, the people of Israel did this and that and the other thing, right? And I'm the only one that's left. And, and God repeats, what are you doing here? And, uh, and Elijah repeatedly doesn't answer God's question, you know, like basically. And, and um, but I want to look at the first, the voice of Jezebel. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 2, um, just before this, Jezebel speaks. And that's what sent Elijah on this downward spiral. She speaks to him. And actually, she, she sends a messenger to him. She's saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You know, God had just answered by fire on the top of Mount Carmel. And, and um, the fire fell on Elijah's offering and his sacrifice, and, and they, they killed the 350 prophets of Baal and Asherah, right? Now, we're, we're in New Testament times. We don't believe in killing those that we dis- disagree with. We believe in loving them, right? So, but, but in those days, they, it was a different, different thing. And, and Elijah was always in, in the midst of almost being killed. People were searching for him left and right, assassins. Other people were after him. And so he is doing to them what they would have done to him as well. So um, different time. This is before Jesus came, right? So he, they live differently and respond differently. But she sends him this word from her messenger. So let the gods do to me and more also. If I don't make your life as one of the lives of these people, these, these prophets and priests of Baal and Ashtoreth. And, and um, essentially Jezebel is saying, I am going to kill you, right? Um, she hates that in a single day, in a single day, God through Elijah has undone years and years of compromise. In a single day, God through Elijah has done that. And I think that can happen in our times, in our place. We live in a society that is full of compromise. It is full of, full, even creeping into the church compromise, right? And, and God can undo that in a single day when he shows up in power. Um, there, had been, there had been a slow and steady pace of moving the people of Israel away from the true God. It had been slow and it had been steady. And it's very much like the culture is today. It started off small, but it had grown to where the worship of false gods had become public and open. Ahab marries Jezebel. She was from another country, right? She comes, she comes into the land and she brings, Ahab's the king of Israel. She brings the gods that she worships with her. One of those gods is Molech, who, who they actually would burn their children in, in the fire and sacrifice their children in that way. I mean, it, it's ha- like really heinous stuff, right? Really horrible stuff. But it started out really small and slowly grew, right? It wasn't, and I think that's often how the devil works. He starts out small. He starts out with these small lies. You start to begin, begin to believe the small things. And then pretty soon, before you know it, you're believing that stuff. And so it's easier to believe some of the bigger lies, right? And, and, that's what had happened. And so much so that what started out as very small and private worship of Baal and Ashtoreth and, and everything else then became public. And at the same time, the worship of the living God that was very public at one time became private. And that's what has happened in our culture. We have, we have gotten to a place where 
we are ashamed to talk about Jesus in the workplace. But if somebody is like into witchcraft or something, they're not ashamed of that. Like, like that used to be practiced in secret, right? And now they openly do so. And they openly talk about it and the wonders of it and everything else, right? And, and not only that, but many multitude of other things, right? There's just every, the things that used to be very private have become very public. And at the same time, our faith has been put into the quiet place, right? Into the closet. Just keep it quiet. Keep it private to yourself. And this is, I believe this is the plan of the evil one, to alienate and isolate the people of God, to make them feel like they're different, that they're aliens. And also, when you, when you begin to worship God in private, you don't realize that there's other people that worship God as well, too, right? And so you get to be like Elijah and you, you begin to say, hey, you know, what? I'm the only one that's left because I don't know any other people that worship you, God. And I feel all alone. And that's, that's how the devil works. He does work that way. We have a real enemy of our souls. The word of Jezebel, it comes at Elijah like a fiery dart from Satan. And it hits right at the right time in the right spot. You know that for, for preachers, probably the, the very worst time, the time that you are probably most vulnerable is is like Sunday, Monday, Sunday night, Monday, right? Like where where you feel like, man, you know, like because because before that, you're kind of you're getting all prepared. You're getting ready for your message. You're right into the word. You know, you're you're doing these things. And then Sunday happens and and you might see really great even breakthrough on Sunday morning. But then but then it's. It's like then the, the fiery darts are coming at you, right? Like there's, there's these fiery darts that come and, they, you know, it's like, ah, oh, you didn't, you could have done that better. You should have done this better. You're not good enough. You don't measure up, right? Like all these things. I think, I think if, you're, if you're a pastor, you, you do deal with those things. If you're in ministry, in, in one way or another, you well deal with those things because, you know, why the devil wants you to be quiet. He wants to shut you down and keep you quiet and keep you ashamed so that you won't even share your faith with anybody. Right? That's what he wants to do. And as, as long as he can do that, keep your faith private. Yeah, go ahead. Have your faith. Keep it private. Right? Don't tell nobody. As long as he can do that, he keeps you like from making disciples. Right? And that's what, that's what you're called to do. That's like your healthy purpose in life, that you'd make disciples. Everybody's called to that. If you're a disciple of Jesus, which is, a, which is what we Christians are, you're called to make disciples, right? And, um, and Satan wants to, he wants to magnify his words so that we become intimidated and we begin to attribute to him more power than he actually has. And that was exactly what the words of Jezebel came at. Like to, to Elijah. Elijah just ha- saw fire fall from heaven. He saw the people of Israel being like, you know what? The Lord God of, you know, Yahweh, God, creator of the earth, the great I am. He is the one true God and everything else. He saw this great miracle. He prayed for the rain. The rains come right after, after years of rain. And then one fiery dart of Jezebel comes. Hey, you know what? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And, and what did it do? It caused Elijah to go into this like downward spiral to take off to run. And he's not realizing that, you know what? God has kept him safe up until now. Jezebel and Ahab always wanted to kill him even before this. And God has fed him. He's nurtured him. He's been with him every step of the way. But but. When, when that word of the enemy comes in and we give it place and, and Elijah gave it place, it, it brought him down and, and he, he became overcome with it. God just answered by fire. Elijah's human, right? He's human. He's seeing, he's seeing the, the great miracles of God, the, the mightiness of God. There's like, it's like almost like revival breaking out and... And yet that one word came at an opportune time 
and, and just totally sunk him. And he goes and he runs and he, he actually le- he had a servant with him and he leaves his servant behind and he runs to the other place and, the, and then he goes to this other place and then finally he runs and, and, uh, and, and runs into a cave, right? And finally he gets to the cave. Like that's a pretty bad place, right? When you, when you get in a cave. I think, I think spiritually we can get in caves at times, right? Like not, not really caves, hopefully not yet, but... but Spiritually, we can get to that place because we feel so isolated. We still feel so like, like we're alone, that we have nobody. And so that we, we have to run and hide in the cave, right? And so that's the voice of Jezebel that starts this. Now there's, there's Elijah's voice. That's the next voice I want to look at. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10, it says this. So he said, and this is something he repeated twice. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. That's Elijah's voice. This is, this is what he's thinking about as he's running. I am alone. I've been really zealous for you. And, um, and they're trying to kill me. When he says, I have been, it seems to imply that he's lost his zealousness, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I have been very zealous. It seems to imply that he's no longer zealous. And, and that's, that's the reality because he's running. He's run. He's lost his zealousness for God. And that's, I think that's what can happen to us when we give place to, you know, any, any words of the enemy. Is we, we, it, it becomes about self-preservation. And when, when your life becomes all about self-preservation, what happens is that you lose your zealousness for God. Because, because the two main things and the main purposes of God is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you begin to love the na- your neighbor as yourself. But it's in that order, right? Um, but when, when, we, when we think of self-preservation, we put ourselves above loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? We become number one. Like, not that we think we're so great, but it's just like we're... You know, I don't want to die, right? Like, I, I'm going to, I want to run. I want to flee. And so when he, when he says, I have been very zealous for you, it's as though he has lost that zealousness. And he's been filled with fear. And then what happens? He begins to point at others. You know, I'm great at pointing at others. I'm great at, at blaming others for my problems. He begins to point at others. And it's a, when, we, when we point at others, it's a good tactic when we don't really want to answer the question. When we don't really want to like search ourselves and say, what can I do? What, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing here? Right? He's not answering that question. He's saying, the people of Israel, they've destroyed your altars. They've... They've broken your covenant. They and and they. Um, sorry, what was the other one? And uh, they they've killed your prophets with the sword. Yeah, thank you. And and he begins to point at others. God didn't ask him what everybody else was thinking. He asks him, "What are you doing here? In this place? In this time?" And he says, next thing he says is, I'm alone. I'm alone. I'm all alone. And they want to kill me. I'm all alone. If you feel alone, maybe you're in good company because Elijah felt alone, right? I feel alone sometimes. Um, but know this, that you are, you're actually not alone. Elijah's thoughts... And, and the, the inner voice in, in himself, because he's, he's thinking this. He says this to God. It's what he's thinking, right? 
As he's running, he's thinking this. All these things, right? His thoughts have driven him to run from his calling. He had a calling. And brothers and sisters in Christ, whether you're a pastor or not, you have a calling. God has a calling. He has a purpose for your life. And the enemy would have you run from your purpose. To be ashamed of your purpose. He would have you run from that. Sometimes I want to say, you know, people say, oh, just, I just need to be alone with my thoughts. I just need to be alone with my thoughts. And I've, I've, been, the, I've been at that place like lots, alone with my thoughts. That's like the worst place for you, to be honest. Like, like that's really bad. Like, to me, that's a really horrible place. Because, like, my thoughts are not very good about myself a lot of times. You know, God redeems my thoughts and he does good things in my, with my thoughts. But, but when, when you're just alone with your thoughts, I think that's so dangerous. That can be very dangerous for you. Because, because this is why. Because we begin to imagine things. We begin to imagine things. We begin to imagine what other people are thinking about us. Whether we know it or not, we begin to start thinking, oh, they must think I'm this or that or the other thing, right? And we, we begin to assume and make assumptions about things. And, and it's, it's imaginary. Maybe, and maybe they do. Maybe they don't think that way. Most likely, they are thinking the same way you are thinking in the sense of, like, I feel horrible. Like, I'm alone with my thoughts. And I feel bad. Like, I feel like such a failure. And I feel like I don't measure up. And, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm hurting, you know, as well, too. I think often that's... That's most likely the case with a lot of people. There's not too many people that are like away, away and thinking like, I'm just the best person ever and everybody else is scum, right? Like there's, no, there's not too many people that are like that. I mean, there are some, right? There are some people that probably think that way. But, but most people, 95% of the people that I know, they are, they are like, when you're alone with your thoughts, they feel miserable, right? And, and Elijah is, is alone, and he's, he's repeating the same thought over and over. And it's like, it's like, this is a wrong train to be on, isn't it? It's really wrong. And so he begins to imagine things, and I believe Elijah began to imagine himself as a failure, like he really hadn't accomplished anything. Right. Because because when you when you're like he's at this really high point at one time and then all of a sudden the that word of Satan comes right from Jezebel and he just falls like just goes down like big time crashes and burns. And he begins to then then think like I am such a failure. Like I have no strength in me. I just have to run. That's all I can do is run. And he doesn't recall the things that God has just done through him. That God doesn't look at him in the same way as he looks at himself. That's why it's dangerous to be alone with your thoughts. Because we begin to have a false and wrong view of ourselves. Because what God thinks about us is most important. How he looks at us is most important. That's why I said, you know, hey, if you're struggling, you know, we'd like to pray for you and bless you and, and call you out as a child and of God because you are. Whether you failed or not, you're still a child of him. My children, they fail a lot, right? They succeed a lot too. They do a lot of great stuff. And I, I noticed that. And, and I, but I, I love them still. I love them still. They don't understand me a lot of the times. And sometimes I don't understand them. But I love them. I love them. You know that when they, when, if they make a big mistake, I don't say, you know what, like get lost. Right? But I think oftentimes we look at, we look at um, our relationship with God and we're his children. And he's not like, he's like, he's not like get lost. Yeah, he wants to correct things in our lives. He wants to bring us into the right place, into right thinking, really, into faith. Um, but he's not, like, kicking us out. He's not done with us. But Elijah's feeling that way. 
He begins to see himself really as a loser, that his only choice is to run. But God doesn't see him that way. That fiery dart that Satan has used against him through Jezebel's words. And yeah, he does, you know, he uses people sometimes to hurt us, right? That fiery dart, it set fire to his house, right? His house is burning. And that fire will keep on burning as long as you choose to dwell on it. Until we take up that shield of faith that extinguishes the fiery darts, right? So we take that shield of faith and say, that faith is R-I-S-K, right? So we take up that shield of faith, that risk in stepping out, say, you know what, I'm going to move forward because God's not done with me because his purposes for me are still yes and amen. They're still good. He's awesome. Finally, I want us to look at the voice of the Lord. And that's where I get the gentle whisper of God. In 1 Kings 19, verse 9 and 19, verse 13, God says to Elijah, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he calls him by name, Elijah. Don't you love that? You ever hear God call you by name? It's a good thing when God calls you by name. He knows you. He knows you by name. In the midst of all the running, all the fear, the cascade of thoughts, of failure, of shame. God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? That's one of, I think that's one of the greatest questions we could answer for ourselves especially in the midst of such turmoil and fear at times. So it's one of the greatest questions Elijah could answer, like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And one of the reasons why that's a really great question is it makes us think about our purpose. Makes us begin to think about what is our purpose in God? What does God have for us? What is, his, what is his purpose? That he has good things for us. In 1 Kings 19, verse 11, we read it already, but the voice of God. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. So Elijah's in a cave, right? He's in a cave. You know, I can't, Think of maybe a more depressing place than maybe a cave, right? Like, I mean, it's pretty dark and dreary. God's wanting Elijah to get out of the cave to meet with him. He's wanting Elijah to be refreshed and to recall his purpose. As, and you know how we're refreshed and we recall our purpose? We hear God's voice. We hear his voice. We hear him speak. You know, when you hear him speak, that, that puts us in the right place. What are you doing here? It's the first good, really good question. And in 1 Kings 19, verse 12, it says there's a, there's a wind and it breaks the rocks. You know, you could... He could almost picture Elijah, you know, he wraps himself, right? He wraps himself with his mantle. Puts us over, puts us over his head like this, right? Like, and he goes out because he doesn't want to see, he doesn't want to see the, um, the living God because he knows, like, God's powerful, right? Like, he doesn't want to die right there. And um, he wraps himself like that. And he goes out of the cave and he meets with God. And it says there's, there's this wind, it breaks the rocks, there's, there's an earthquake, shakes the earth, and there's a fire. And it says God's not in each of those things. Those are just kind of like, those are just kind of like 
um, responses of the world to God's presence. And if we think about that in, in, in Acts, all those things are mentioned, right? At Pentecost, there's, there's a, the mighty rushing wind that fills the upper room. And then there's a fire, the tongues of fire that fall on people, right? The, that, and then later on, when they're threatened to not share about the gospel or the good news, they get together and they pray and they say, God, give us boldness, Lord, to share your word. That signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Right? And what does it say? It says that earth was shaken. Right? It was shaken. So those, these things, the, the wind, the earthquake, the fire, they're just, these are just responses of the world to the presence of God. But then there's this still small voice. It's almost as if God is refocusing Elijah's attention from the words of Jezebel and even his own thoughts to his presence, right? It's like, it's almost, it's like God is grabbing Elijah and like shaking him and saying, you know what, pay attention to me. Listen to me, I'm talking to you, right? Because I, I tell you what, when, when you're in the middle of an earthquake and you, you've seen a fire and you've, you've seen like a massive crazy wind that's destroying things and moving things. You're like, I'm paying attention now, right? Like, like I, I hear you, God. I hear you. And you suddenly forgot about what you were thinking about, right? And you forgot about what the enemy said to you, right? Like you begin to think about, God, what do you have to say to me? And so God refocuses his, his attention. And in Hebrew here, the word for that still small voice, it's, it's a whisper. It's a whisper. It's a gentle whisper. We've got to quiet the other voices. We've got to quiet Satan's voice. We've got to quiet our own voice, the voice of our own thoughts, right? In order to hear God speaking, we've got to do this. Put away distraction. Quiet yourself. Turn your cell phone off. Shut the TV off. Turn the radio off. Focus on the Lord. God, what do you have to say? Turn your eyes to Jesus. Invite him to speak to you, right? Elijah had to stop running and to refocus on God in order to hear God's voice. You know, the, the troubles that Elijah is facing, it's just overwhelming to him, right? So overwhelming that the only thing he knew how to do was just to run, right? Just keep running and running and running. But he had to stop running in order to, to get quiet, to hear his voice, to hear God's voice. And the voice of God, I believe this, I believe it brings healing to Elijah. Why do I think that? Because after this, Elijah still carries on working for God, working with him. If he hadn't had a healing, he wouldn't have been able to do that. One, one really remarkable thing about this, and I want, I want you to catch this. If you catch anything, catch this, is that what is God not saying to Elijah? Well, God's not shaming him. He's not shaming him. He's not saying, Elijah, you're such a failure. Elijah, you are worthless and I'm done with you. He's not saying that. Those words are not in here. He's not yelling at Elijah. Can't you get anything right, Elijah? Right? Like, can you just, I just answered you by fire and, and you just run off at one little word from some lady. Don't you know that I'm like, in charge of the world, right? Like, like God could have said that. He didn't say that. He spoke to him in this still, quiet voice, right? And God begins to give Elijah purpose again. 
personally, you know, I, if I'm honest, I have to be honest that there have been times when I've been so overwhelmed by things that I've just wanted to run. And you know what? When I finally stopped to hear God's voice, when I got to that place where I just like, uh, I got to stop. I can't run anymore. I'm too tired to run. can't do anything else. When I finally stopped to hear his voice, it's like, it's given me comfort, right? It's encouraged me. It's lifted me up. And God responded to me in a totally different way than I thought he would. So when, in closing, when Elijah hears the voice of God, God gives him purpose again, and he calls him back to his purpose. And that's found in 1 Kings 19, verse 15. If you have, if you have a Bible, just move ahead to verse 15. 1 Kings 19, verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, Go return to your way, on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazael, as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi as king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel-Mehalah you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Now his anointing, we might read this and think like, oh, God's just replacing him. That's not the case. He's going to work with Elisha. Elijah is going to work with Elisha. I know it's confusing. Um, for quite a while. And he's going to train him up. He's going to disciple him. He's going to do these things. God's not done with Elijah. Because he says, go and return your way. Verse 17, it shall be whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Verse 18, yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. You know, God didn't say, you're no longer fit for my service. Go spend the rest of your life in seclusion and begin to think about the bad that you've done. Go to your room, right? And don't come out until you have changed your attitude. He didn't say that. Think about how you failed me. He didn't say that. God gives Elijah clear direction about things he was calling him to do. And when, here's the thing, that's like repentance, really. When we, when we stop going our way, and sometimes our way is running, and we start going God's way, and we start saying, you know what, I'm going to boldly begin to risk and do the things God has called me to do. And, and as, as you do that, as you walk with him, and you learn to hear his voice, We can understand, you know, hey, God's not done. God's not done. Return on your way. Return to your job that I had for you. Guess what? You're not fired. You can't get out of this so easy, Elijah. I still, I still choose you. And be, I want you, Elijah, I want you to be a minister of calling others. And he specifically says, anoint Hazael as king of Syria. Right? Anoint this king of Syria. Like, like God's like, I, I've got these big plans for you. He's not, he's not saying, you know what, earn your way up and you can earn it by groveling and, and slowly you'll do this thing. He's like, no, I want you to do what I called you to do in the first place and, and do that and by anointing kings. Right? So anoint Hazel, king of Syria. Anoint Jehu as king. And anoint Elisha. Elisha's this younger guy, right? Elisha, not Elijah. Anoint him as prophet in your place. And Elijah, as I said, is gonna, he's going to disciple Elijah, and he's not going to feel alone like he's felt before. He gives him somebody to go with him, right? So that he, he won't feel alone. And then God, at the very end, he says, you know, just so you know, Elijah, there's 7,000 others. And... You, you may not see this, and you may not know this, but you're not alone, and your ministry has had fruit. It's had results. Elijah didn't know it, didn't see it, didn't understand it. 
And in his own thoughts, he, didn't, he definitely didn't think it. But it had, it had impact. And I want to say to you today, your ministry has had impact. No matter how you feel. At times, you may feel like a failure. I joined the club, right? We're, we all feel like that at times. But I want to say to you that God's not done. And I want to encourage you that you would take time to hear that still small voice. Like I said, shut off the TV, shut off the cell phone, shut off the radio. Just make time not to get alone with your thoughts. But to say, God, what would you speak to me? How would you speak to me? One of the clearest ways you can do that is by getting into the word of God and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to read through your Bible. If you're in the one-year Bible, read through it. Say, God, what are you trying to share to me today? How can you help me today, God? And then what do you want me to do? And he'll do it. He'll, he'll, he'll speak to you. He'll work through you. So anyways, would you stand with me today? God of heaven, we come before you now in, in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that you would meet us in your grace. That we would hear your voice. Some of us, we don't even know how to hear your voice yet. We've never maybe heard your voice or some of us, we've heard your voice and we haven't heard it for a while. We've just been so busy and we just, God, we just want to say sorry. We want to be people that hear your voice. We want to be sheep that hear your voice, God. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage us. You lift us out of self-condemnation, out of, out of our own thoughts, Lord. God, that you'd extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one in our lives. And Lord, that you would, you would call us and put us in a right place, just like you did with Elijah. You're called, you're chosen, you're special. God's not done with you. Pray, Lord, just for an open heaven over our people. God, that we would have an open heaven over us, that, the, that the, uh, the lines of communication between you and us would be so real, so alive in this day, in this age. Because we need you. Because we need you, Lord. And Lord, we just, I just ask you, Lord, that you would um, speak the truth and speak life to us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.